us different. And we become more what God wants us to be. So we're going to go ahead and, and walk through. There we are. Okay. We're getting there. Okay, we're going to look at First Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 25 to start with. Now, I want you to focus on the words that are in bold. Okay, there's some terms that keep coming up over and over and over again here in the New Testament. And I have, this is, a, I put the, the script, scriptures here ahead uh, behind me so you can look at them. First Peter chapter 2, verse 25 says, For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Talking about Jesus there. You go down a few chapters more in First Peter. Uh, he addresses the, the, these people here specifically. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Okay, we're, the next verse is from Acts chapter 20. Uh, verse 17, it says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And this is Paul. He arrives at Miletus, which is a port city there, and, and asks for the shepherds or the, the elders from Ephesus to come down, and he addresses them. He spends the rest of the chapter talking to them about what it means to be an, an elder in God's church. And this is one of the verses further down, verse 28. It says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for, or shepherd, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, you see these terms keep coming up over and over again? Titus chapter 1, verse 7, before he goes into a description of what elders among you look like, Paul tells Titus, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. And so when we look at these terms, there's four terms here. Three of them oftentimes are used when talking about elders. Elder, overseer, and shepherd. And the fourth one isn't used as much, but it's still there in Scripture, the term steward. Okay? So we're going to spend the next few minutes walking through what these terms mean, and then we're going to tie it together here uh, towards the end of, of uh, our time together here this morning. Okay, in the process, we're going to Greek out a little bit. Are you guys ready for this? Oh man, exciting stuff. How many of you like languages? Okay, there's a few of you here. How many of you study languages? Okay, we have people that are bilingual, a few few in here. Yeah, a few of us that are, that, that are bilingual. But this first term is a term that is used a whole lot. You see this in the Old Testament. You see this in the New Testament. But this term is pronounced presbyteros. Okay, you guys want to say it with me? On three, everybody say presbyteros. One, two, three. Oh, man. Yeah, exciting stuff, isn't it? Okay. Well, there we go. And what this means is older ones who lead because of experience. That's the idea. Now, there's some references I have here. Lynn Anderson's book on They Smell Like Sheep and also Everett Ferguson's book on, it's called The Church of Christ. And it's a, it's a book that was it's, it's very widely used across all sorts of, of denominational lines. And those two books is where I, I glean some of this information. So you can write down those references there if you like as well. So older ones who lead because of experience. In their world, the Jewish or Christian elders were older men who, of experience and wisdom whose principal function was overseeing the affairs of the community, whatever that community was. Synagogues, churches in the New Testament, they helped in deciding disputes among people and preserving the teachings uh, that, that, that were given by, by Jesus. Okay, so that's one of the descriptions that we see. Usually when you hear the term elder, this is a term that is used um, in reference to one of these things that you see here. 
Now, the question is, what does this mean, older men? How, what is, how much older is older? Some of the Jewish writings, it seems like the consensus, of, or at least what you see in several different writings, was, was men that usually started serving as an elder between the time they were 35 and 70. That's when they started. Okay, that's a huge range right there. Okay, and maybe 35 for, for um, maybe our history seems rather young, but think about oftentimes, you're 35, you've been through a lot of life already, and depends on, on where your family is at in that process. But that's what the Jews would have understood, early Christians would have understood, is that's the, the time, phrase, or time frame is when people usually start serving, is sometime in there. And something else about this term is, and I touched on it last time, this term always comes up, in the plural sense, is that there's not a head elder that looks over everybody in Israel or, or in the New Testament church. Because there's a different term for that. Do you remember what I told you what the term is? If there's one person that oversees everybody, what's that term? That term is king. Okay, that's very different, and it's a very different role that you see there. And you remember that, that discussion of when the Israelites were, were saying, no, we want a king, we want a king just like everybody else around us, and God's saying, I don't think you want that. Believe me, I don't think you want that. Because when one person oversees and one person is in charge, there's some advantages to that. Decisions are made quickly. It's very dynamic. You move. Uh, you can mobilize quickly. But what happens when you have a group of elders that come together like at the city gate, these people that are wise people that come together and help settle disputes in that, changes don't happen as quickly as they do when one person is in charge. And maybe that's God's point. It's not about being so efficient, but it's about overseeing and taking care of the people that, are, that, that ever, elders are, are supposed to look after. That's the idea. And so when you see this term in Scripture, you see the term elder. Hopefully what you can look at and see is these are the people that you look at and think, man, this person has lived life has great experience, and that's the person I go to to ask questions because I know that they have walked this path before me. That's the idea that uh, people would have understood when, uh, when Paul or, or, or other New Testament writers use this term, is those people that sit at the city gates, they help oversee the affairs of the community, they help decide disputes, and they preserve the teachings. They help keep us on the right path. Okay. Second term. Here, this term is, you guys ready for this one? All right, here we go, warm up. Episcopos, okay? On three, one, two, three, go ahead and say it. Oh, man, yeah, see, Lyle's into this. He's selling it. He's excited about this. That's right. And that term is, is translated for us, overseer, or one who oversees, okay? The term elder was used in the, in the Jewish history. If you look at the Greco-Roman history, this is the term that's used oftentimes, overseer, and the it's translated as basically this. It was in the Greek or, or civic or religious term, meaning someone who is a guide, a manager, a foreman, a supervisor, a caretaker, leader, those who watch on behalf of someone else. That's the idea there. And so if this term is thrown out, and this term is used several times in the New Testament, people would have understood, okay, that's the mayor of the situation, or that's the, the city council, that's who these people are. They're the ones that help watch over us, that oversee everything that is happening. All right, let's look at the next one. Did I go too fast? Are you writing it down? I'll give you another second to write down if you want to write down. Okay, let's look at the next one. Okay, this next phrase uh, is translated for us, translated shepherd. In, um, in the, the writings of the Bible, it's pronounced poimen. One, two, three, go. Poimen. 
Oh, man, see, Lyle's on it again. Good stuff, Lyle. Well, way to go. Good. And that is translated shepherd. And the idea is, very simply, taking care of sheep. Okay? How many of you have ever taken care of sheep? Man, okay, see, we're, we're dialed. And that's oftentimes in our urban context, if people have never taken care of sheep or taken care of, of animals, you don't, this concept is harder to understand. But I know that, and I've told the story some, uh, when, when we had, when I was a child, we didn't have sheep, but we did have goats. And goats are hard to shepherd. They're hard to take care of because they have their way of just doing whatever they want. And it's sort of like herding cats, you know, you hear the phrase. But a goat had to decide in his own mind that somehow what I wanted him to do was going to be good for him. That's the only way he would do something. Now, I understand that sheep are a little better than that. Is that a fair assessment? Scripture uses that, the difference between goat and sheep. And so my experience wasn't very good with goats. But with sheep, uh, there's I've seen a, a few different times where I've been in places, um, either here in the States, or it happened several times when I lived in Europe. And I remember one time in particular when I was in Albania at a kids' camp. And it was, uh, it was, there wasn't really electricity around, there wasn't anything around. But there was, on the side of this mountain where we had the Bible camp, there was a young boy that came through every day. He'd come through early in the morning, and he would come through in the afternoon. And he had all of these sheep with him. And he was a shepherd. And he didn't speak Italian, so I couldn't speak to him, but I, there, I worked through a translator and I asked him some questions. And early in the morning, and there was no stopping him, he would come through, these sheep would go up and they would run up on the mountainside, he'd take them up to wherever the pasture was, and he'd hang out with them. And he had a shepherd's crook that he he carried with him. And so when all of them decided they were coming down, he would come down with them, and he would come and sit in a rock at the Bible camp as the sheep were all moving past, and we'd talk with him. And he was it was really interesting, because I asked him the question, being the greenhorn that I was, uh, what's... Which sheep is in charge of things? And he smiled and he said, oh, that's so-and-so. And he had a name for this. And he said, that sheep's already gone past. He's already down below. I'll show you who he is tomorrow. But there was this, this shepherd knew his sheep. And we asked him all sorts of questions about these sheep. And he could tell us, this sheep had, had a lamb last year. This one didn't. This, all, all of this, these detailed stuff. Because, and I noticed from how he dressed and just how he, he interacted, is that he lived in the middle of those sheep. He slept with them where they were at. He walked with them wherever they went. And they knew that he was there to protect them and take care of them. Uh, quite, a, quite an arrangement. And that's what God calls the, the people that, that shepherd his people to be, is people who are protecting, leading them to water and pasture and caring for them. What Kyle read just a minute ago from Psalm 23 talks about God being our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I, should, I don't have anything that I need because he takes care of everything. And that psalm is beautiful because it shares that, that uh, perspective. And that's what God's elders and shepherds are, are called to do for us. The last one here uh, is translated steward. Oikonomos. One, two, three, go. Oh, man, listen to you guys. 
There's classical scholars here, man. You guys are rocking this, okay? The term is translated steward, which means a trusted slave or freedman charged with managing the household of the owner. And we see this concept from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. You look at Joseph, for example, when he was working in Potiphar's household. He was a slave, but he was in charge of everything that Potiphar had because Potiphar trusted him greatly. And you see several examples of that. You see uh, examples of this Jesus using, uh, for example, if you go to uh, Luke chapter... Uh, Luke chapter, let me double check here, make sure, Luke chapter 20, okay, I'm in the right spot, Luke chapter 20, if you look at this story here, starting in verse 9, Jesus tells the parable of the tenants, and he talks about a man who planted a vineyard, and then uh, he, gave, he entrusted it to some people, and when he came back in order, he, he sent servants back, and they, they abused the servants, and he said, finally I'll send my son back, and they will... Uh, they will respect him, and and they kill the son. And Jesus' point of telling this this uh, story is to tell to the religious leaders that God has placed you in a position to be a steward to take care of my people. And when I come back, they would be ready. And you have done the opposite. You have have tried to to uh, abuse every prophet that came along, and you have are going to to kill God's son. Uh, that's what's going to happen. But the idea here that is, that is used in Scripture uh, for, for elders is a steward, a trusted person who is managing the household of the owner. And we understand that God's church is the household of the living God. And he has appointed elders to help oversee that and help take care of it. So that when Jesus returns, the elders can say, look at your sheep. Look at how well they're doing. And look at uh, what's the, the spiritual fruit that they are producing. And so here are the, the terms that are used. Elders in God's kingdom are described as elders, overseers, shepherds, and stewards. Now let me make a note here before we move on with shepherds. The term shepherd is oftentimes translated pastor as well, and that's what Dan and Mark serve as the church here. Now I serve a role as an evangelist and minister, and it's different. And sometimes those, those terms in our religious society get confused. But that's Dan and Mark. They are shepherding over the church, and, um, and hopefully a few more here in the next months. They, uh, they, they look out for you. They continue to pray for you. And, and what I do as a minister and evangelist overlaps into that. But, but they're the ones that, that um, I know that if, if I was in spiritual crisis and I, was, I needed somebody to chase me down, Mark and Dan are your guys. They do that, and they they're, uh, demonstrate a, a tremendous heart and love in, in living among you and doing that. Okay, here's some, uh, so here's the terms. Elders, overseers, shepherds, stewards. All of those give us something that help us understand more what uh, people who look over us spiritually are called to be. Now, when we look at this, so one of the concepts, and this is hopefully will be helpful for all of us to consider, when we walk through this process of what it looks like to give spiritual leadership to other people, there's, there's in every society, spiritual leadership gets twisted around and we miss it somewhere. Okay? So think about it in these terms. Um, and let's use the term steward because that's the one that we don't use a whole lot. But the term steward. Okay? Think about there is somewhere, there is a... a uh, a man who is, who is wealthy plants a vineyard, and he wants somebody to overlook this vineyard. And so he puts, finds somebody and puts this person in charge of it, a few people in charge of it, and says, all right, what I want you to do 
is I want you to take care of this vineyard. And what's the purpose of a vineyard? What's supposed to happen in a vineyard? Produce fruit. Okay, that's what's supposed to happen. Or let's say it's not just a vineyard, but there's all sorts of apple trees and orange trees and whatever else that grows in whatever climate that vineyard is planted in. Okay, So there's all sorts of trees, and they're supposed to do what? Produce fruit. That's what's supposed to happen. Okay, so just imagine these stewards come in, and they're tasked with producing fruit. And they come in and say, all right, everybody, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. We're going to have a great time from here out, and you're going to love it. And so the the servants that come in and, and uh, they say, you know, I just don't feel like doing anything today. And the steward says, hey, no problem. It's, it'll all work itself out later. No big deal. And things go along that way. And... The people, the servants, really love these stewards because they get to do whatever they want. And things are just wonderful. Things are great. You know, big party all the time. But at some point, the owner comes back. Well, they hear the owner's coming back. And the steward goes around and says, All right, all right, we've got a problem here. Owner's coming back. We haven't really produced any fruit. So what you guys need to do is you need to go out and buy some fruit other places and bring it so it looks like we're doing something here. Okay, everybody look busy, right? Look busy. This is like a government job. Everybody look busy, you know, whatever. And so we need to, because we, we're not producing fruit, we need to look like we're doing something here. So, so get after it. And you can imagine if you were the owner and you came back and you said, wait a minute here, this is not what I intended. You're not producing real fruit. This is fake fruit and this is not going to fly with me. So let's think about it here in the spiritual perspective. What if a person um, comes along and, and always has, um, you just like that person. You, you like what, who they are, you're attracted to who they are, and you're excited about this particular person for all sorts of different reasons, and some that you may not know or understand or realize. But that person, even though you really like them, never seems to call you higher to produce fruit. Okay? And so there's, there's a term for that, spiritually and in the counseling world. It's called codependency. Are you familiar with that term? It's there's a person that you're attracted to or have a connection to for some reason, but they do not call you higher. Okay, that happens a lot in spiritual communities. If someone comes along, and especially people that are not so, uh, so far developed in their faith, but there, there's people that are attracted and say, oh yeah, that person's great, they're wonderful, look how spiritual they are, look how wonderful they are. But if you start looking at the fruit, nothing has really changed in the lives of of myself or you or whoever is following because really what's happening is the person is not really being a steward of God's kingdom. And I found that for myself, the people that have caused me to grow the most are also the same people that convict me, which means I don't like them sometimes. Okay? Because there is, a, I can give you an example. of There is a, a person who is, um, and I've, I've shared with some of you before, who is a, a minister in Rome, during the two years that I, I lived there. Um, and he was uh, a man that I learned a lot from. And what I learned, one of the things I learned from him is that there's times that I didn't like him very much because he would say things that, that offended me or that, that called me higher. But I, re- I had a choice. Either I'm going to run away and not listen anymore or I'm going to listen and maybe I'm not, maybe he's eccentric in some ways, 
But what he does is he always calls me higher spiritually. I know the internship that I did for three months down in, uh, in Water, at Waterview Church of Christ in, in Richardson, Texas. My mentor during those three months was a guy named Robert Oglesby. And I think he's been here before with the church. But he, is, he was 67 when I was there in 1998. And the question whispering to the church was, when is Robert going to retire? Is he going to retire? How is this going to work? And just because of some things that happened in that particular church, the elders said, Robert, just keep preaching. And he ended up retiring at 82 a few years ago. And just an amazing Iron Man of a guy. But one of the things he told me on the front end, he said, Chris, I want you to understand that I love you. And I want you to understand that um, I'm going, I have a purpose here. If God is calling you to ministry, that some point here in the very near future, you're going to be in a place where you're preaching, where you're teaching, and you are going to be an example for other people. And I want you to understand something very, very clearly here. There's going to be some times during the next three months that you will not like me at all. Because I am, you signing up for an internship means that I am going to tell you the truth. And I will not sugarcoat, and I'm going to lay it out. And man, oh, for the next three months, especially on the, first, the, the front end of that, Robert was on my case continually about this or that. And the thing with Robert is he cared much more that I was trained and prepared to be a soldier of God than about my feelings at any given time. It mattered very much to him that, that I would blossom and grow. And so I wrestled with that. And I became, by the end of the three months, Robert became my very good friend. Because I realized that there's not a lot of people out there that, will, that care very deeply that we produce spiritual fruit. And he uh, still is someone that I call once in a while when I have two hours. And we can talk because it takes so long to catch up and, and all the things that are, that are going on in life. And I still go back to him and I still ask questions because I know that Robert will always tell me the truth whether I like it or not. And that is one of the things that we, we fall into sometimes when we talk about spiritual leadership. We think about who are the people that make me feel warm fuzzies because that's the way our entertainment industry works or who are the people that, that I am attracted to naturally or that, that I feel a, a warm affection to. And those may not be the people that call us higher. And that's just a, a lesson I think that all of us need to consider when we think about spiritual leadership is who are those people that really do call us higher? And are we allowing them to do their job in calling us higher? And number two, for myself, am I one who is just says what's comfortable and what's nice and, and helps uh, encourage people along, but I don't have the courage to say the things that right, really make a difference? I think that's a pretty good thing for all of us to think about uh, because all of us have the opportunity to, to be spiritual examples for others. In your life groups today, you're going to get the opportunity to walk through and to wrestle with some of this. And the question that you'll be asked is, who is someone that has been a spiritual guide for you that has helped you produce spiritual fruit? Okay, And think about that, because the second part of that question is very, very important. Helping to produce spiritual fruit. And so that's something that all of us can, can think about and pray about, is who are those people that are helping me produce spiritual fruit? And, number two, how am I working to help produce the spiritual fruit in the lives of people around me. It means encourage, but it also means correction and rebuke at times. And that's what God has called 
the elders of the church to do, uh, to be courageous and to help us grow and to be the people that, that God really wants us to be. So we'll continue on the next weeks. Uh, we're going to spend some time in First Peter next week and talking about from here out a lot of the qualities of what is a, what is a person when they have lived a while and, and developed some spiritual maturity, what types of qualities emanate from them? And then all of us get to work on imitating those as well. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to come forward. Let's stand and sing together. The elders are also waiting in the back to pray with you if you'd like to pray with them.